I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading 1 Kings chapter 8 and 2 Chronicles chapter 5. In 1 Kings chapter 8 verses 1 through 11 and the entirety of 2 Chronicles chapter 5, we see that the Ark of the Covenant goes into the new temple. 1 Kings 8 1. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel, unto King Solomon in Jerusalem, that they might bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. And all the men of Israel assembled themselves unto King Solomon at the feast in the month of Ethanim, which is the seventh month. And all the elders of Israel came, and the priests took up the Ark. And they brought up the ark of the Lord and the tabernacle of the congregation and all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle, even those did the priest and the Levites bring up. And King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel that were assembled unto him were with him before the ark, sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be told nor numbered for multitude. And the priest brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord into his place into the oracle of the house, to the most holy place, even under the wings of the cherubims. For the cherubims spread forth their two wings over the place of the ark, and the cherubims covered the ark and the staves thereof above. And they drew out the staves, that the ends of the staves were seen out in the holy place before the oracle, and they were not seen without, and there they are unto this day. There was nothing in the ark save the two tables of stone, which Moses put there at Horeb, when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of the land of Egypt. And it came to pass, when the priests were come out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. Now let's go over to Second Chronicles chapter 5, beginning with verse 1, to read the parallel account. Thus all the work that Solomon made for the house of the Lord was finished, and Solomon brought in all the things that David his father had dedicated, and the silver and the gold, and all the instruments put he among the treasures of the house of God. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel, into Jerusalem, to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. Wherefore, all the men of Israel assembled themselves unto the king in the feast, which was in the seventh month. And all the elders of Israel came, and the Levites took up the ark. And they brought up the ark and the tabernacle of the congregation, and all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle, these did the priest and the Levites bring up. Also King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel that were assembled unto him before the ark sacrificed sheep and oxen, which cannot be told nor numbered for multitude. And the priest brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord into his place, to the oracle of the house, into the most holy place, even under the wings of the cherubims. For the cherubims spread forth their wings over the place of the ark, and the cherubims covered the ark and the staves thereof above. 
And they drew out the staves of the ark, that the ends of the staves were seen from the ark before the oracle, but they were not seen without. And there it is unto this day. There was nothing in the ark save the two tables which Moses put therein at Horeb, when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt. And it came to pass, when the priests were come out of the holy place, for all the priests that were present were sanctified, and did not then wait by course, also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asaph, of Heman, and of Jedithon, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them an hundred and twenty priests sounding with trumpets. It came even to pass, as the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord, and when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with the cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Well, in this passage, we see that the uh, temple is complete. This project actually began back in 1 Kings chapter 5, also Second Chronicles chapter 2 records it. Now we need to get the Ark of the Covenant into the new temple. Now, you didn't casually move the Ark of the Covenant just on a whim. People died for doing such, as was the case, by the way, with Uzzah back in Second Samuel chapter 6, verses 1 through 12, also recorded in First Chronicles chapter 13, verses 1 through 14. It's time to kick into action all those musicians David appointed before his death. But first, everybody needs to be consecrated before God. We simply don't want any more moving the ark mishaps this time. And so it was done. Everybody consecrated who were involved in moving the ark. Now it's time to transport the ark to its new home in the Holy of Holies, inside the new temple. In order to undertake such an awesome responsibility, they show God their sincerity and willingness to obey with sacrifices, or as 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 5 says, sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be told nor numbered for multitude. Now, that's a lot of sacrificing. Must have worked, though, because no deaths are recorded here. We see in Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 11, that all of the priests, regardless of course, and you can read more about the courses in First Chronicles chapter 24, that all the priests, regardless of course, were involved in this move. And finally, how do you know that you've erected a house that God will actually indwell? Well, that's simple. Look at Second Chronicles chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. Remember that cloud by day back in the wilderness which represented God's presence? Well, here it is again, and it's inside the new temple. I love it when a plan comes together. It's the Shekinah glory filling this new temple. Now, I've written an article entitled The Shekinah Glory, it's located right there in the middle of today's written notes of BibleTrack.org. But if you'd also like to find it on the topic section of uh, BibleTrack.org on the main page, you can find it there. But it tells us all about the Shekinah glory and the fact that it led the children of Israel through the wilderness, inhabited the tabernacle itself, and now here the temple. But hey, something's missing here. Look at Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 10. It says this, There was nothing in the ark save the two tables which Moses put therein at Horeb when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel 
when they came out of Egypt. The very same statement of fact is found in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 9. Has anyone seen that uh, jar of manna? And uh, what about Aaron's rod that budded? You know, we placed it in the ark back in Exodus chapter 16, verses 32 to 34. Well, it appears to be missing now. I suppose somewhere along the way, those two items were removed, and that's really all we know. Now, the content of the remaining portion of 1 Kings chapter 8 is also found in 2 Chronicles chapters 6 and 7, but those two chapters, 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and 7, are part of tomorrow's reading. So in the written notes of BibleTrack.org, I've shown them in blue here to let you know that they're not really part of the today's reading. And uh, also, in today's reading, I'm not going to read those passages from Second Chronicles chapter 6 and 7. We'll read those tomorrow. So what we have here in First Kings chapter 8, verses 12 through 21, and also Second Chronicles chapter 6, verses 1 through 11, and as I mentioned, we won't be reading Second Chronicles 6, uh, we have the pre-prayer comments to the people of Israel by Solomon, verse 12 of First Kings chapter 8. Then spake Solomon, The Lord said that he would dwell in the thick darkness. I have surely built thee an house to dwell in, a settled place for thee to abide in forever. And the king turned his face about and blessed all the congregation of Israel, and all the congregation of Israel stood. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which spake with his mouth unto David my father, and hath with his hand fulfilled it, saying, since the day that I brought forth my people Israel out of Egypt, I chose no city out of all the tribes of Israel to build an house, that my name might be therein, but I chose David to be over my people Israel. And it was in the heart of David, my father, to build an house for the name of the Lord God of Israel. And the Lord said unto David, my father, Whereas it was in thine heart to build an house unto my name, thou didst well that it was in thine heart, Nevertheless, thou shalt not build the house, but thy son that shall come forth out of thy loins, he shall build the house unto my name. And the Lord hath performed his word that he spake, and I am risen up in the room of David my father, and sit on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised, and have built an house for the name of the Lord God of Israel. And I have set there a place for the ark, wherein is the covenant of the Lord, which he made with our fathers when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. Of uh, all the people among whom God could have chosen to dwell, Solomon's saying here, we're it. We're the people that God dwells among. Of all the places in which God could have built a temple, this is the place, Jerusalem. Solomon blesses the people of Jerusalem this day. As he speaks to the people of Israel, he reviews the provisions of the Davidic covenant, proclaiming that Israel is the nation of God and that the throne of David shall endure forever. That covenant, by the way, is found in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 16. In Solomon's presentation here, he points out that God had authorized the building of this new temple by David's son, Solomon himself. And then in 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 22 to 53, a bunch of verses here, we find the prayer of dedication that Solomon does. Now, we'll be looking at this again tomorrow 
as we read Second Chronicles chapter 6, because that's where it's paralleled. But today we'll just read the passage from First Kings chapter 8, now beginning with verse 22. And Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands toward heaven. And he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven above or on earth beneath, who keepest covenant and mercy with thy servants that walk before thee with all their heart, who hast kept with thy servant David my father that thou promisest him, Thou spakest also with thy mouth, and hast fulfilled it with thine hand, as it is this day. Therefore now, Lord God of Israel, keep with thy servant David my father that thou promisest him, saying, There shall not fail thee a man in my sight to sit on the throne of Israel, so that thy children take heed to their way, that they walk before me as thou hast walked before me. And now, O God of Israel, let thy word, I pray thee, be verified, which thou spakest unto thy servant David, my father. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, the heaven and heaven of heavens cannot contain thee, how much less this house that I have builded. Yet have thou respect unto the prayer of thy servant, and to his supplication, O Lord my God, to hearken unto the cry and to the prayer which thy servant prayest before thee today." that thine eyes may be opened toward this house night and day, even toward the place which thou hast said, My name shall be there, that thou mayest hearken unto the prayer which thy servant shall make toward this place. And hearken thou to the supplication of thy servant, and of thy people Israel, when they shall pray toward this place, and hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and when thou hearest, forgive." If any man trespass against his neighbor, and an oath be laid upon him to cause him to swear, and the oath come before thine altar in this house, then hear thou in heaven, and do, and judge thy servants, condemning the wicked, to bring this way upon his head, and justifying the righteous to give him according to his righteousness. When thy people Israel be smitten down before the enemy, because they have sinned against thee, and shall turn again to thee, and confess thy name, and pray, and make supplication to thee in this house. Then hear thou in heaven, and forgive the sin of thy people Israel, and bring them again into the land which thou gavest unto their fathers. When heaven is shut up, and there is no rain, because they have sinned against thee. If they pray toward this place, and confess thy name, and turn from their sin, when thou afflictest them, then hear thou in heaven, and forgive the sin of thy servants, and of thy people Israel, that thou teach them the good way wherein they should walk, and give rain upon the land which thou hast given to the people for an inheritance. If there be in the land famine, if there be pestilence, blasting, mildew, locust, or if there be caterpillar, if their enemy besiege them in the land of their cities, whatsoever plague, whatsoever sickness there be, what prayer and supplication soever be made by any man or by all thy people Israel, which shall know every man the plague of his own heart, and spread forth his hands toward this house, then hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and forgive and do and give to every man according to his ways, whose heart thou knowest, for thou, even thou, only knowest the heart of all the children of men." that they may fear thee all the days that they live in the land which thou gavest unto our fathers. 
moreover concerning a stranger that is not of thy people Israel, but cometh out of a far country for thy name's sake. For they shall hear of thy great name, and of thy strong land, and of thy stretched out arm, when he shall come and pray toward this house. Hear thou in the heaven thy dwelling place, and do according to all that the stranger calleth to thee for. And all people of earth may know thy name, to fear thee, as do thy people Israel. And that they may know that this house which I have builded is called by thy name. If thy people go out to battle against their enemy, whithersoever thou shalt send them, and shall pray unto the Lord toward the city which thou hast chosen, and toward the house that I have built for thy name, then hear thou in heaven their prayer and their supplication, and maintain their cause. If they sin against thee, for there is no man that sinneth not, and thou be angry with them, and deliver them to the enemy, so that they carry them away captives unto the land of the enemy, far or near. Yet if they shall bethink themselves in the land whither they were carried captives, and repent, and make supplication unto thee in the land of them that carried them captives, saying, We have sinned and have done perversely, we have committed wickedness, and so return unto thee with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their enemies which led them away captive, and pray unto thee toward their land which thou gavest unto their fathers, the city which thou hast chosen, and the house which I have built for thy name. Then hear their prayer and their supplication in heaven, thy dwelling place, and maintain their cause." And forgive thy people that have sinned against thee, and all their transgressions wherein they have transgressed against thee. And give them compassion before them who carried them captive, that they may have compassion on them. For they be thy holy people, and thine inheritance, which thou broughtest forth out of Egypt from the midst of the furnace of iron. That thine eyes may be opened unto the supplication of thy servant, and unto the supplication of thy people Israel to hearken unto them in all that they call for unto thee. For thou didst separate them from among all the people of the earth to be thine inheritance, as thou spakest by the hand of Moses thy servant, when thou broughtest our fathers out of Egypt, O Lord God. Well, this is one of those covenant prayers, and a long prayer at that. Now, Solomon's well aware of the fact that Israel has lapses of service to the Lord from time to time. He includes that fact in his prayer of dedication. He also makes an important statement in verse 46 when he says this, If they sin against thee, for there is no man that sinneth not. Well, of course, this is the cornerstone doctrine indicating the need for a Savior. Romans 3.23 says, For all sin and come short of the glory of God. It's interesting, though, that Solomon, beginning in verse 46, seems to assume that people, that his people, will in fact sin and that they will fall into captivity because of their sin. You'll recall back in Deuteronomy chapter 30 that Moses prophesied that Israel would indeed sin and fall into captivity. Solomon includes in his prayer here the notion that Israel, after going into captivity, will once again turn back to the Lord. At this point in his prayer, he calls upon God to forgive them when they repent while they are in that future captivity. This fallen repentance was all part of the prophecy Moses had given back in Deuteronomy chapters 29 and 30. 
It's interesting that Solomon simply accepts Moses' prophecy as a given reality, even though it has not taken place yet. I'm guessing that it did not occur to Solomon that his own permission for his own wives to have their pagan idols set up right there on the temple grounds would go a long way toward Israel's moral corruption and ultimate fall as indicated in 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 1-8. through 8. And now, after the prayer, here's a word from Solomon for the people. Now, the following post-prayer comments are only recorded in 1 Kings chapter 8. We don't find them recorded in 2 Chronicles at all. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 54. And it was so that when Solomon had made an end of praying all this prayer and supplications unto the Lord... He arose from before the altar of the Lord, from kneeling on his knees with his hands spread up to heaven. And he stood and blessed all the congregation of Israel with a loud voice, saying, Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto the people of Israel, according to all that he promised. There hath not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised by the hand of Moses his servant. The Lord our God be with us, as he was with our fathers. Let him not leave us, nor forsake us that he may incline our hearts unto him to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, which he commanded our fathers. And let my words, wherewith I have made supplication before the Lord, be nigh unto the Lord our God day and night, that he maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel at all times, as the matter shall require." that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is none else. Let your heart therefore be perfect with the Lord our God to walk in his statutes and to keep his commandments as at this day. Well, no dedication is complete without a word to the people, a pep talk about doing right and a word of blessing upon the people of Israel. You'll note Solomon's statement in verse 56 that God had fulfilled his promise to Israel through Moses insomuch as they now have rest. This promise to Moses is actually seen in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 9. Israel is to be God's showpiece on earth to all the people of the world to come. That's seen in verse 60. Now we let the sacrificing begin. Now, this is 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 62 to 66. It's also paralleled in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 4 through 11, but we'll be reading that passage tomorrow. Today, let's just look at 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 62 to 66, verse 62. And the king and all Israel with him offered sacrifice before the Lord. And Solomon offered a sacrifice of peace offerings, which he offered unto the Lord, two and twenty thousand oxen, and a hundred and twenty thousand sheep. So the king and all the children of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord. The same day did the king hallow the middle of the court that was before the house of the Lord, for there he offered burnt offerings and meat offerings, and the fat of the peace offerings, because the brazen altar that was before the Lord was too little to receive the burnt offerings and meat offerings, and the fat of the peace offerings." And at that time Solomon held a feast, and all Israel with him, a great congregation, from the entering in of Hamath unto the river of Egypt before the Lord our God, 
seven days and seven days, even fourteen days. On the eighth day he sent the people away, and they blessed the king, and went into their tents joyful and glad of heart for all the goodness that the Lord had done for David his servant and for Israel his people. Well, seven days of sacrificing. Whoa! They're breaking in this new altar with 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep in seven days. To make room for the large numbers of sacrifices, the whole middle part of the court in front of the temple was consecrated. This dedication was combined with the Feast of Tabernacles. We see in verse 2 that they were gathered there for their regular annual feast. It appears that they actually observed their Feast of Tabernacles for seven days and then the dedication of the new temple for an additional seven days. That clarification is seen when you compare verse 2 here with verses 65 and 66, and additionally, considering the wording of Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, those two verses say, Moreover Solomon hallowed the middle of the court that was before the house of the Lord, for there he offered burnt offerings and the fat of the peace offerings, because the brazen altar which Solomon had made was not able to receive the burnt offerings and the meat offerings and the fat. Also at the same time Solomon kept the feast seven days, and all Israel with him a very great congregation, from the entering in of Hamath unto the river Egypt. And in the eighth day they made a solemn assembly, for they kept the dedication of the altar seven days and the feast seven days. So there you have a clarification. And tomorrow's reading, we'll be reading uh, the passages in Second Chronicles chapter 6 and Second Chronicles chapter 7. Be a lot of review of what we just read today, but hey, review's the key to learning, isn't it? This concludes our podcast for the day. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walker.